Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Thursday, January 23rd, and we're discussing dividend stocks. My guest today is Motley Fool contributor Matt Delalo. Matt, great to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, Matt, I'm excited to be talking about dividend stocks today. I know your personal portfolio has a pretty heavy, weight, heavy weighting in dividend stocks. What makes dividend stocks so attractive to you as an investor? Yeah, so it's hard to not like getting paid for work you didn't do. So I think that was like the initial thing that drew me to dividend stocks years and years ago. Uh, but I've learned just as an investor and working for Motley Fool, uh, been able to read a lot of research on dividends, and they actually tend to outperform regular stocks uh, by a pretty wide margin. There's a really great study out there that uh, listeners can Google it's from Ned Davis Research, and they found that I think it's dated back from 1972. The dividend payers outperformed the S&P 500, uh, so divot just. A company that paid a dividend was 8.8% per year annualized return versus the S&P at 7.3%. Now, what was really interesting was companies that grew their dividend, they were the the big outperformers at 9.6%. Companies that didn't uh, increase their dividend, they underperformed, as did companies that cut their dividend and the non-payers. And non-payers are like you know, your traditional growth stocks, there's so much volatility, so they were a lot less. So that data like that, and then just seeing the compounding of my portfolio has really helped me to encourage me to keep buying dividend stocks and focusing on that. Yeah, especially when you look at returns over the long term, if you don't factor in that dividend, it can, you can really uh, not get a true picture of what that return will look like. But if you reinvest dividends over the long term, it can really augment your returns. And to your point, Matt, those, those companies that have paid dividends and increased them over time uh, tend to be those companies we like to invest in. Uh, when you look at a potential dividend investment, what are you looking for in these companies? Yeah, so I I tend to be very conservative with what I look for because I've gotten burned on dividend stocks. Uh, like I think a lot of beginning investors, you see that yield and it's like, oh, it's seven, eight, nine percent, and you you chase that yield. And there's usually a reason, unless it's something like an MLP or a REIT, which are two kind of special tax advantage vehicles. When dividends get that high, it's kind of a question. But so. I look for something that has a very uh, conservative balance sheet. I look for investment grade balance sheets, which is uh, what credit rating agencies tell investors, hey, this is good, strong balance sheet. And uh, I, I look for the metrics based on the sectors. You know, Energy sector has its own set of metrics, just like uh, auto industries and things like that. But I'm looking for something that has a you know, strong balance sheet because that'll give them the, the uh, financial flexibility during tough times like recessions. I'm also looking for predictable and stable cash flow because that's what they pay dividends out of is their cash flow. So I'm looking for something that actually it's got to be profitable. It's got to generate more cash than it needs to run the business. So I'm looking for that. And then with what they have cash flow wise, I'm looking for a conservative payout ratio that really varies by industry. Ned Davis found that 41% is actually a really good um, rate. Um, but up to seventy-one percent is another. You know, if it's a you know an MLP or REIT, those are fine. And then I'm looking for growth uh, because dividend growers are the ones that perform. I want to see visible growth, uh, whether it's in a market that's expanding or you can see it around the horizon. Well, exactly, Matt. And so within that framework of dividend stocks, we asked you to bring uh, your top three that you're most excited about uh, uh, today. So let's let's you know run through those. Uh, the first one you have for us is Enterprise Products Partners. What what can you tell us about that company? 
Yeah, so Enterprise Rise Partners, that's a, a MLP, which is a tax advantage um, entity, that, and it's focused on energy midstream. So this is your pipelines, your storage. So again, you, that's going to be a stable business. It doesn't have as much exposure to commodity prices, even though oil and gas do impact these companies. Their cash flows tend to be very strong. In an enterprise's case, it's grown its cash flows for uh, almost uh, the past two decades, and that's enabled it to pay a really good yield at 6.1% at the moment and grow it. And uh, so just hitting on the characteristics, you know, I talked about balance sheet. It's gotten, it's the best balance sheet in the MLP sector. It's credit uh, is uh, tops in the line. It's got a low leverage ratio. So it hits that mark. And then I talked about stable cash flows, predictable cash flows. 80% of uh, enterprises come from fee-based contracts or similar structures. So that's very predictable, especially in the energy industry. And then I mentioned I'm looking for a conservative payout ratio. They were 63% last year. That's uh, very conservative for the sector. Most MLPs have been 80% or plus, and that's why they've struggled over the past couple of years. And then the last thing is that growth. And in this case, Enterprise has uh, $9.1 billion of expansion projects under construction, and that's going to keep them growing through 2023. So that visible growth, you know, you can you can see ahead, okay, they're going to continue to grow the cash flow. And they can fund this because they have that conservative balance sheet and the low payout ratios so that they've got the internal funds to, to continue growing, not only their business, but their distribution. Right. I mean, just a few years away from being a dividend aristocrat, uh, when you look at the sector, you mentioned it's really struggled. You look over the past three years, you look at the the ETF for the sector down 33% or so, uh, but Enterprise Products Partners has been stable over this time because of that that strong balance sheet. Uh, so, so definitely a company uh, to, to pay attention to. Uh, your second company on the list is one we, we've talked about uh Fair, fair amount on this show, Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. Folks who, who maybe have not heard, heard, heard us talk about that company in the past, can you introduce them uh, to what this company does? Yeah, so Brookfield's a little bit similar to Enterprise in that it's a publicly traded partnership. It's not quite an MLP, but it's a little bit different. So that it gives that K1, uh, Schedule K1, that a lot of investors are kind of uh, not familiar with. However, there's a, a they're going to spin off a corporation coming up uh, later this year. So that'll give investors that uh, 1099 form that they're familiar with. But this company, it, it, it owns those midstream energy assets that a lot of uh, energy uh, investors are familiar with. However, it also has utilities, transportation, and data infrastructure. And so the transportation data infrastructure is a little interesting, and it's got a lot more growth from there. So that's why I kind of like that one. Yeah. Well, can you talk about the growth opportunity there in these new areas they're moving into? I think data is a new, is a new opportunity for them. Uh, why have they pursued the, these new arenas? Yeah, data is huge. As many of the listeners probably know, mobile data, we're just using our cell phones to do more and more things. And with 5G coming, there just needs to be more ability to transport data. And so Brookfield's they're buying data centers, which store the data. They're buying uh, these, uh, these fiber optic cables, which help kind of move data quickly and then cell towers in places like India and France. And and so it's all about facilitating and being able to store data so that we can just continue to grow as a society. And that's just really exciting. It's, a, it's an interesting way of playing the data growth. And, uh, and then they have transportation, which is unique too. They own, uh, they're, they're buying, I think we talked about on the show a while back, uh, Genesee and Wyoming Railroad. And so they've, they've got that in there. So it's just unique uh, assets that are very stable, pay a lot of cash. 
Yeah, we think about, you know, it's Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. And when we think about infrastructure, we often think about roads and bridges and that sort of thing. But when we think about the internet, uh, there is an infrastructure that needs to operate on the back end of that, whether it's cell towers or data centers or that sort of thing. And uh, there, there is money to be made in that business. Uh, when you look at the Brookfield Infrastructure Partners dividend and how it stands up against your check, checklist you laid, off, laid out at the beginning of the show, uh, how does it stand up? Yeah, so Brookfield Infrastructure Partners have got that top of the line balance sheet that I'm looking at investment grade, low corporate leverage. And uh, a lot of times when they buy their businesses, because they, they have a lot of private equity focus, and a, a lot of times private equity companies, they love, you know, put a lot of debt on these. Brookfield doesn't do that. Anytime they buy a business, it's always done uh, to investment grade credit ratings. So that just gives them that stability of their balance sheet. And then, as we mentioned, they they operate these businesses that generate stable cash flow. 95% is regulated or fee-based. And so we mentioned data, the data centers. It's kind of like they'll rent those to uh, companies that just need a place to store their data. Same with cell towers. They rent it out to uh, mobile communications. So they're just getting paid these consistent cash flows through that. They also have a conservative payout ratio. They target 60 to 70%. And that gives them 30 to 40% of their cash flow to reinvest in acquisitions and expansion progress projects. And then uh, that gives them the opportunity to grow. And in Brookfield's case, they're targeting 6 to 9% per year of organic growth. And then acquisitions. We mentioned uh, the, the railroad that they're buying, Indian cell towers. So you've got a lot of growth there. And in fact, they're looking at growing their earnings 25% this year uh, from where they were back in 2018. So a lot of growth there. And I, I like that visible growth. So that means the dividend's going to grow. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about growth, you talk about the dividend from a capital appreciation standpoint. This stock has been a monster uh, over the past several years, up 50, 50% uh, or, or so. And so that's, that's pushed the yield down about 3.7%. But when you're getting uh, when you're getting all that capital appreciation on the back end, uh, really a great stock uh, uh, to have. Uh, last one on our list, another one that we've we've spent a fair amount of time talking about on the show, uh, Next Air Energy. Uh, again, just uh, high level, what, what does this company do? Yeah, Next Air Energy is a, a utility. They own two utilities in Florida. And then they have a renewable energy business where they'll build wind farms and solar plants, and then they'll sell the power under long term contracts to other utilities and end users. And so both of those businesses tend to generate very predictable steady cash flow. And uh, I really like them, particularly for that renewables business. Uh, renewables, there's just so much growth ahead in renewables, and it, they're one of the tops in the business at doing that. Yeah, and uh, you know we've talked about this show in the past. They have they have the this uh, Florida utility in addition to uh, these power purchase agreement uh, businesses. They'll go out and contract uh, with other businesses uh, to provide uh, renewable energy uh, to other utilities. Uh, again, looking at the dividend, how does it stand up against your checklist? Yeah, very, very good business. Uh, again, uh, high credit ratings, one of the best in the utility sector. Nearly 100% of their cash flow is regulated and fee based, so very predictable cash flows. Uh, they have a low payout ratio of 70% or 60% versus most utilities, so we're at 70%. So that gives them a little bit extra cushion to invest in growth. And because of that, they see their earnings per share growing at 6 to 8% through 2022. And a lot of that's backed by their renewables. They have the biggest backlog in their history. So there's just a lot of growth coming. They, they have the, the balance sheet to fund that growth, which gives them the ability to grow their dividend. Yeah. And this is another one. If you look over the past year from a capital appreciation point of view, stock up over the past year, 47%. Uh, what opportunities do you see there in addition to the dividend for just the stock to appreciate over time? Yeah. What's interesting about Nextera is that you 
when a lot of investors think about utilities, they think about, oh, slow growth, you know, I'm, I'm just getting the dividends bond, like, not so with NextEra. They've outperformed the market for years and years and years, and a lot of it's because they they are able to invest in, for high returns. They focus on projects that generate good returns. And we don't think about renewals being high return investments, but they're able to leverage the scale of their business and then tax credits and things like that to actually get good returns on these projects. So with having the largest renewals background in the history, and then just the way that the global, um, the, the focus of the past couple of years of, of climate change, they're just, there's so much opportunity for them to expand that it's just a really exciting company to own for what typically is just a, a no growth kind of industry. Yeah, absolutely. When you, when you think about renewables, massive tailwind, and then Next Era has been at the forefront uh, of that industry uh, for, for for a long time. Uh, so great opportunity there uh, to invest both for a dividend paying company, but also the, the the stock has performed quite well over time. Uh, Matt, so so those are those are our energy dividend payers uh, that are your favorite. When you look outside of the energy industry, uh, does your criteria change when you look at a dividend company? Are you looking for anything different? It doesn't change, uh, but what will change is the metrics. I'm always looking personally for investment grade balance sheets, if possible, or something that has a low uh, leverage metrics for the the sector. And that's going to vary. You know, energy stocks because they have such predictable cash flow, they're able to carry more debt than say uh, an automaker or a tech stock. So in those cases, I'm just looking for what's consistent with that sector. Uh, it, sometimes it might not be the investment grade balance sheet, but a lot of tech stocks, for example, have just a ton of cash on their balance sheet. So that's a, a good cushion for the, the dividend. We're, what I'm looking for is I want a company to be able to pay the dividend when things get tough because it's going to get tough. Now, we've had 10 good years for the global economy, but at some point a, a recession is going to come and I want that dividend to last. So I'm also looking for something that has stable cash flow when the recession hits. And, you know, that's going to vary by industry. But, for example, like a Comcast or a Verizon, you're, they have a lot of consumers that they're going to pay their cell phone bill. They're going to pay their cable bill. And so you're getting that predictable cash flow. Same with like a Johnson & Johnson that sells Band-Aids and um, consumer products. So you're looking for that stability if you're focusing on dividend. And again, the low payout ratio, that's going to vary by industry. Uh, for something that's not a REITs, which is a real estate investment trust uh, or MLP, 40% or less is, is kind of cut the target for that. So again, it's going to change a little bit. You're just looking for conservative because it's all about sustainability. Yeah, exactly. You know, I look at the you know the dividend payers uh, in my portfolio. I think Mastercard is the one that jumps out based on those criteria that you listed out. This massive tailwind uh, when it comes to moving payments digital. Uh, you have this infrastructure that the credit card companies, Mastercard and Visa, have built up over time that are just really difficult to disintermediate. And however the economy the economy performs, you know, we may spend less in a down economy, but we're always going to be continually paying. I know, I know, don't know about you, Matt. For me personally, I I spend everything on my credit card and just pay it off every month. How do you use your credit card? Um, the same way. That's why MasterCard and Visa are two of my biggest holdings, because I know every time I swipe, that's going to be cash that's going into their balance sheets and you know they're going to use it to buy back stock and dividends. So yeah, that's a, a really good one. Absolutely, Matt. Well, thanks as always for coming on the show to share your favorite dividend stocks. Listeners, I hope you got a few for your watch list, maybe a couple to add to your portfolio. Looking forward to having you on again soon, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me again. 
As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Matt DeLalo, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and full on. 